Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. All right. Welcome, and uh, thank you for joining us yet again. And before we get into our topic of the day, we wanted to take this opportunity to render a public service. <laughs> As we mentioned at the New Year's Eve special, one of the ideas we had was to try to help promote some upcoming shows and events, auditions and whatnot, and mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're going to be doing right now. The first audition that we are going to be promoting <laughs> on the broadcast here is uh, an upcoming audition at the Village Players of Hatboro for... What will be the final show of their 72nd season titled Biloxi Blues? A, they're calling it a dramedy, comedy, dramedy by mm -hmm. Neil That's Simon. And the auditions will be two nights coming up. Actually, it'll be this coming Sunday and Monday, January 27th and 28th at 7 p.m. both nights. Uh, the auditions will be right at the theater. And if there are callbacks required for that, uh, those will be by invitation only and scheduled for Wednesday, January 30th at 7 p.m. So again, that's all coming up over the next week or so. I'll be doing cold readings from the script and so on, and maybe doing some monologues. I won't go into all the details behind the auditions because I will direct you to their website, Edward which is thevillageplayers.com, which has basically everything you need to know about the audition coming up. The show itself will actually be in June, starting June 7th up through the 22nd. So obviously anybody who's thinking about auditioning needs to be available in that time frame to do the show. I also understand, and I don't know that it's mentioned on the webpage, but I do understand that since it involves, if you're not familiar with the play, it involves uh, basically boot camp. And I think there will be a period of time where a lot of the actors will be doing some sort of like a mini kind of light boot camp. Just be prepared for that. If will you're they, thinking will about they be allowed to go home during that? Will they be allowed uh, to go home during that? What was that? <laughs> we seem to be having trouble with our connection. We're back on Skype in case you're wondering. Will they be able <laughs> to go right. home during the boot camp? Oh, uh, good question. <laughs> you may have to uh, submit an inquiry through the website. Anyway, <laughs> the information, the full information of the auditions is available on thevillageplayers.com, the website. Uh, she'll be directed by Dan Cochran, whom I've mentioned on this podcast before, and assistant directed by Richard Lutz, whom I've also mentioned on this podcast before. It's a good show. I've seen it before. So if you're thinking about it, go for it. And, of course, providing that plug also kind of leads us to this week's topic, uh, which is the the late, great Neil Simon himself. That is true, yes. Uh, we'll be talking about his overall work as well as our involvement with uh, several of his plays, which collectively we've done quite a few of them. They do yeah, come I think we often. mentioned it back around when we were talking to Keith, I think. We were recording that right around the time he just passed away last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 91 years old. That's a good long life. And he had a very long career. Quite. Uh, born in New York City, 1927, Marvin Neal Simon. Died from complications of pneumonia. Very lengthy career. He was in the Air Force Reserve after high school till 1946. Mm -hmm. And then started working in the Warner Brothers mailroom in Manhattan. And, and his was... brother, older brother Danny, he worked with a lot in his early career as well. Yeah, that was when he uh, he got started... Uh, with radio work with his brother uh, Danny. And Danny Simon has, has probably lesser, well, definitely lesser known than his younger brother, 
but he has quite a little resume himself. Yeah, I was looking up a bit a bit on him as well. He uh, had worked on a lot of the same shows that Neil worked on in early in his career for Sid Caesar and so on. But mm-hmm. then he went on to work on shows like My Three Sons and the Carol Burnett Show. Yep. Um, so yeah, he had uh, he had his own career, more I guess uh, television focused. Yeah. In general, yeah. as opposed to Neil heading into, into theater, Broadway, and uh, movies. Yeah, so they so he got started uh, as a writing team uh, with his brother in radio. Uh, right. The radio producer and host Goodman Ace, who was uh, extremely well known at the time. Uh, that's never heard of started. him. I hadn't heard of him either, <laughs> but I I did some research and yeah, he had uh, quite a few radio shows and then he did work his way into television as well. So he was around for a while. Uh, why he faded from the spotlight and and did not remain as well-known as, like, you know, your Sid Caesars and, and so forth. I'm not really sure, but he was huge back in the day. Maybe he had a face for radio. I don't know. <laughs> gotta, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I saw clips and stuff from him uh, doing TV interviews and such, and, I mean, he was a perfectly fine-looking uh, gentleman. Okay, then. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, moving into television, Neil Simon and Danny Simon uh, were, were continued writing in, in, well, in radio for uh, Milton Berle and Jackie Gleason and, and, and the like. Uh, right. And then they moved into TV in And they 50s. all went into television anyway. What's that? And they all went into television anyway. Yes. They all went into television in the 50s when they were hired for uh, Sid Caesar's Your Show of Shows. Right. And I'll have more to say on that as far as my own kind of connection experience related to a play of his. Yes, indeed. He he ended up writing a play based on his uh, time in that, writing with, you know, the, the likes of Mel Brooks and Woody Allen and Carl Reiner. It was quite a powerhouse writing team. for Bunch of no-names. Yeah, really. <laughs> on that writing staff. At the time, they were, but they certainly went on to lengthy careers, some of whom are still working in those careers today. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's kind of funny because I think many people today would probably be more familiar with them than Sid Caesar himself, but yeah. Sid in his time was a pretty big, uh, pretty big star. Sorry if the meowing has come as getting picked up by my microphone. <laughs> I think I heard that. Yeah. The, the yeah, so they did so collectively show. did some Emmy award winning work. Yes. <laughs> wow. We're talking over each other a lot. Uh, I, I was just going to say the same thing. So yeah, they, they, they got an Emmy award. Best Variety Program, and then uh, middle of the decade of the 50s is kind of when Neil Simon and Danny Simon parted ways. I never, Um, I didn't really read up on why that happened. I Uh, I just, it it wasn't like they considered themselves a writing team per se. They were just kind of working in in the same jobs. Uh, They started off as a writing team, and then it just kind of got to that they were working with larger teams, and they just kind of parted ways. There was no, like, ill will, or there was no, you know event that had them part ways they just did different things went different ways wow that's a lot of meowing (laughs) i guess this podcast is just going to have meowing in the background (laughs) if we have cat haters in the audience we're in trouble Uh, sorry if you're a cat hater please do not email us at podcast at backstage.link Back to Neil Simon. Uh, so he continued in, in working in television writing for a while, and uh, also he did a lot of TV movies. And then eventually he did work with his brother again for his first play, which was the uh, musical Catch a Star. That was not a hit. <laughs> um, <it laughs> Never was, heard of it. It well, was briefly I've heard the Broadway. term, but yeah, not the show. I, it, it did not. I, I forget exactly how many performances it had, but it, it was far from a hit. Was, uh, as far as I know, is that the only musical he attempted to do? No. No? No, definitely okay. not. He's, he's had, he had several, I believe. 
and I know so. he did book for some musicals. I, I I should probably have noted that more, but I'm pretty sure some of the stuff on that list that that we have here is are musicals. Okay, well I they might be, be the ones that I'm not really all that familiar yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, that's the risk of us doing a Neil Simon episode. He has a, a whole lot of works, and we're only familiar with a small amount of those. And we're we're building this as a top five, and we will give our top fives later in this episode. But it's very limited as to which ones we can even realistically rate. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm my top five is primarily limited to ones that either I've been involved with or have seen, and I'm pretty familiar with. Mm. But I, I would say. I feel he's appropriate for this discussion because, for one thing, his plays are done an awful lot in community theater. Yes, that they are. They, they have, Many of them have fallen into what we'd arguably consider as chestnut status, mm-hmm. as we talked about a few episodes back. Yeah, we, we even considered one of those for roasting. <laughs> so I, I think uh, him along the likes of Neil Simon and Alan Ackborn and probably Rick Abbott and Tim Kelly and the like are... Mm-hmm are playwrights whose plays get done an awful lot in community theater, and I'm talking non-musicals primarily. Well, they're popular, and they're done a lot for a reason. Yeah, well, in many cases, they're kind of crowd-pleasing entertainment types, and Mm -hmm. Neil's works fall into that, but I would say some of them are certainly lean towards broader comedy and farcical nature and whatnot, but uh, I think, you know, they're not... They're drawn a lot, I think, in many cases, at least the ones I'm most familiar with from per- his personal experience. So there's kind mm-hmm. of like a, a feeling behind it as far as, you know, relating real life into his work. There's there's definitely a lot of that, yeah. And I mean, I think Woody Allen has the same sort of thing, but is more uh, movies than stage plays. So Right. Anyway, Maybe so, not. so back, to, uh, back to Catch a Star. That kind of had him, the failure of that moved him back into TV a bit, including another uh, Sid Caesar show. Actually, I think more than one even. So that work continued into the late 50s, and then he moves into plays in the 60s and becomes a whole lot more successful, starting with Come Blow Your Horn in 1961. Yeah, and that really kicked off a, what, 40-plus year career of basically being predominantly a playwright or becoming best known and most successful as a playwright. I I mean, he, he did some movie work as well, but a lot of that was just adaptations of his plays. Right, yeah. I mean, some there were several movies of his plays over the years, particularly in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then uh, after Come Blow Your Horn, uh, he does Barefoot in the Park, which is something that definitely comes up a lot in theater. Yep. That was the first community theater production I auditioned for. Oh, well, there you go. And I'll mention it now because this did not make my top five. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I went to audition for it, and... At, uh, I was auditioning for the role of Paul, who is the, the newlywed husband role, the, the male lead. At first, I thought I was a shoe in because there were really no other guys in my age range who would have been considered for that role. About midway through the audition, another younger guy comes in, and then he ends up getting to read a lot, and probably more than me at that point. And I started to think, uh, okay, maybe he likes the other guy better. And then at the end of the audition, or towards the end of the audition, the director asked the two of us to attempt to carry the some of the actors who were auditioning for the mother-in-law on their back because he felt that that was a requirement. I guess it's in the script that there's one scene where he brings in the mother-in-law and drops her, puts her down on the couch. So on my first, for I had like I had like two attempts to try to do that, and there's no way I could pull it off. I mean, I was 
I'm not a particularly portly fellow at this age, but at the time I auditioned for that show, I was even thinner. So there was really no way I could do it. Yeah, so that pretty much disqualified me. And I didn't audition again until Death Defying Acts, <laughs> which was like nine months later. So after Barefoot in the Park, Neil Simon pretty much hits it out of the park with The Odd Couple. And at that point, he's pretty much a star playwright. Uh, right. That was in 1965. And he just had hit after hit uh, after hit a while after that to the point that he had four plays running on Broadway simultaneously in the 1966-67 season. Uh, In addition to Odd Couple and uh, Barefoot in the Park, he added uh, Sweet Charity and The Star-Spangled Girl. And then in 68, he had Promises, Promises. Unfortunately, I'm not familiar with those last three. (laughs) I mean, I've heard of them, but don't Mm -hmm. really know much about them. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really either. So, yeah, like I said, we do not have... We should probably have our community theater uh, memberships revoked because we don't know so much (laughs) Neil Simon. So he pretty much like continued writing, like you said, for 40 years. It kind of petered out after uh, Rose's Dilemma in uh, 2003, which did not do very well. Right. Yeah, I hadn't hadn't heard of that one. I think uh, probably his early work is probably generally better known, but I'd say from the 70s through the maybe up to the mid 1980s uh, is probably most of his remaining best-known work, uh, I, I would guess. Uh, I don't have the whole list in front of me. I'll have to look at that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got, um, it, I've got it here. And, I mean, it, pretty much like, uh, you know, Laughter on the 23rd Floor was 93. Uh, yeah, that was a later one. That was kind of like a, a reminiscent kind of a, a mm-hmm. play. Rumors comes up a lot in community theater. That was yep. 88. Lost in Yonkers, Jake's Women come up a lot. Those are both early 90s shows. Uh, the Eugene trilogy yeah. was mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. Dinner Party, uh, which I did, was 2000. Yeah, that, that 45 was seconds last Broadway. Place. I've read that one. That was 2001. That was his uh, penultimate show. That was right before Rose's Dilemma. And 40 uh-huh. sec- 45 Seconds from Broadway is a decent show. Yeah. So um, it, it, once he started getting the hits in the 60s, the critics weren't really... He had the audience, but he didn't really have the critics. He yeah, was kind of dismissed that, that can, as being too mainstream. That can happen where you, you become popular but not necessarily critically acclaimed. Yeah, and that's kind of the 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 bucket that he's thrown into. And I, and I find that comes up in a lot, that there's a lot of like kind of snobby community theater people who are like, oh, Neil Simon, I don't do Neil Simon. Just because he's, you know... <laughs> really? It, it's too mainstream. It's not edgy at all. It's I, I mean, which it isn't, but it's, it's pleasant in a good yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... You could say it's kind of sitcom-like. Yeah. In many respect, many of his comedies, obviously, certainly worked for the odd so couple. Much, but it, you know, a lot of one-liners and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and trying to land all the jokes and stuff. So, but he does. I think that's the key. Yeah, is that he does land most of the jokes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think, uh, if you want to accuse some of his plays of being very sitcom-like, they're at least well-written sitcoms. Yes. So despite not having the critics in that time period, as he moved on and adapted his stuff for film, that's when he started getting the recognition. Uh, I mean, he got uh, Pulitzer and Tony Awards for Lost in Yonkers, Oscar nominations for The Odd Couple and The Good Goodbye Girl. So he was getting recognized later in his life. Right, yeah. Um, Lost in Yonkers, that was a play that um, Village Players did, I guess it was last season, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, that was, you know, it was more dramatic, but it was very heartfelt dramatic. There was, yeah. 
there's a lot of feeling underneath it. There's definitely um, a lot more depth, I find, in his later works than there yeah. was in his earlier works. And I mean, there's still that kind of sitcom-y humor pops in there, but it's counterbalanced yeah. really nicely. Yeah, I, I think uh, Lost in Yonkers really fits that category. You know, there are really some kind of serious character dilemmas going on underneath it. Mm-hmm. Some things associated with, like, with mental illness in that particular play associated with the characters. But it still has, you know, the characters who have the, the witty lines and mm-hmm. so forth and all that kind of stuff. And the, 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 the family, uh, family drama and the, the family comedy, relationship comedy. So I felt that particular production, being one of his later shows, it really had a nice balance of the two. Yeah, I, I find that, that the later shows really are well-balanced. I mean, by the time you're hitting the mid-'80s, I mean, he's gone from star playwright status to legendary uh, mm-hmm. in, in a mere 20 years. I mean, in 83, the uh, Schubert organization renamed the Alvin Theater to the Neil Simon Theater, and he's the first living playwright to have a Broadway theater named after him. So that's pretty, say, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I'd say it's something. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think he's gotten a good deal of recognition whether or not it's like a perception that oh it's not cool to do neil simon or it's yeah not hip or edgy enough i feel not, like he's not a, appeal to hipsters <laughs> there are there are definitely people who still feel that way in community theater that they mm-hmm. they just won't do neil simon because of that but i think particularly when you look at his later works there's there's more depth and there's more edginess to them yeah maybe not everybody's fully aware of it yeah and um, even some of the to, early stuff that's less well known has that Right. I, I guess probably the fact that his big broad comedies were among his most successful early mm-hmm. works. So that was kind of what that's what people associate him with. Exactly. Yeah. Jake's Women, I think another later play, which was I, I saw it a long time ago, maybe like 20 years ago or mm-hmm. so, give or take. And I seem to remember that that was way more serious. Yeah. So look, so I'm looking at the list that we made now. And okay. there are literally only three Neil Simon plays that both of us know. There's The Odd Couple, which I think everybody knows. There's yeah, Biloxi Blues. If there's one show of his you've heard of, it's probably that one. Yeah. Biloxi Blues. We just shilled for that, for auditions for that. Yeah, indeed we did. And the third one is Laughter on the 23rd Floor, which you were in, and I saw that production, so. Indeed. Yeah. Um, well... We could uh, share our experiences on various Neil Simon productions. We could. Should I? Should list. I just? Should I run through the full list? I don't think we necessarily have to go there, but we can highlight shows that we're most familiar with or that we've been in, and so on. No, I, I was pretty much going to do that through my top five list. Well, I think you've got more than five on here. Let, let me just run through. I'll run through real quick the ones that we do know, so that people can get an idea of what we're generally picking from from our for our top okay, five. Okay, fair enough. Because if it's not on this list, then probably neither one of us are going to mention it because we don't know it. Right. So there's Barefoot in the Park from 63, The Odd Couple from 65, Plaza Suite from 68, The Gingerbread Lady from 1970, The Prisoner of Second Avenue from 71, The Sunshine Boys from 72, The Good Doctor from 73, God's Favorite from 74, California Suite from 76. Jump ahead. (laughs) Then, yeah, we have about a, almost a decade uh, where we get to Brighton Beach Memoirs from 83, Biloxi Blues from 85, Broadway Bound from 86, Rumors from 88, Lost in Yonkers from 91, Jake's Women from 92, Laughter on the 23rd Floor from 93, The Dinner Party from 2000, and 45 Seconds from Broadway from 2001. So That's we're missing a all. few from 
say his last decade of working plus some from the late 70s through early 80s late 70s maybe through early 80s is our biggest throughout the 60s late 70s through early 80s is our biggest missing block where there's right. four in a row that we didn't know including fools which i think is pretty well known yeah that one's been done a few times i just haven't seen it or read it so yeah. i'm really not familiar with it the goodbye girl is also pretty well known i've heard of it i mean london sweet i kind of know what that is cuz i'm familiar with california sweet and they're similar Oh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> you forgot to include the female odd couple from 96, I think it was. Yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rewrite. There's actually uh, there's a Spanish version, I think, as well. That's a rewrite. Really? I'm not sure. There's, there's others. To translate it himself? Yeah. So we should uh, just give a nod to where I got a lot of this information from. Sure. Biography.com uh, gave us a lot of the information about his uh, his life. Uh, New York Times, Internet Movie Database, Internet Broadway Database, and of course, Wikipedia. What's that? What's It's an online encyclopedia, <laughs> not a sponsor. So, are we ready to dive into our top five? Sure. Would you like me to begin? Well, you started last last time, I think. Should I start this time? Go ahead. My number five on my list is rumors. That is a show that I have done uh, twice. Twice? Yes. I first did it for what was then known as uh, Marple Newtown Players. I believe they're currently Spotlight Theater. They uh, moved location slightly and okay. changed their name. That was something where I think it was like two weeks before they... Oh, no, wait a minute. Was that the first time? No, that was the second time. The first time I did it was at the barn. And that was when I, I, I auditioned for it, and I played uh, one of two police officers who just come in at the end of the show. Yeah, yep. And then at Marple Newtown, they lost that same role like two weeks before they opened. <laughs> and I knew somebody in the cast, so they asked me to step if I would be willing to step into that. Ah, so you reprised your policeman role. Indeed I did, and I remembered it well enough. That is... How, as, far, how far apart were those uh, productions? Yeah, a couple of years, maybe. Okay. Enough that I well, didn't like, you know, it took me like a couple of days to get back off book. Yeah. Plus, like you said, he, the those characters don't come in until towards the end. Yeah. It's not a huge role. You're not in on the first act at all. Right. The confusing uh, part about that is the characters are all introducing themselves as different people. So I knew them as different characters than they actually played. Yes. So a little background on this show. It's probably one of the most farcical of Neil Simon's yeah. plays and involves... A whole bunch of misunderstandings related to a bunch of people coming over to a dinner party at the, I guess it's the deputy mayor's house, mm -hmm. but they find that his wife is gone, his help is gone, and he apparently has sh uh, shot himself. Yes. And he like, um, he shot himself, I don't remember if he shoots himself in the ear or the does. gun goes off near his ear so he can't hear half of what's no, going on. No, no. He shoots himself in the ear and okay. then it's another character later who's in the vicinity of the gun when it goes off who is hard of hearing for a good portion of the play. Okay. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a, it's a it's funny show. It is, as you said, pretty farcical. It pretty much is a farce. Several doors, all sorts of that. And it's just yep, it's a fun yep. show. Yeah. A lot of it is, you know, kind of typical farcical situations involving people, at least early on, people trying to cover things up for other people. Eventually, mm -hmm. they find out the what they're not supposed to have known, and then, and then everybody it kind tries of escalates to cover it up with and the escalates, cops. and eventually the cops get involved, and that's where the biggest charade comes into play to try to cover up the situation. Yep. So that's my number five. On my list, it was number four, and I was also oh. in that show. 
Uh-huh. Uh, I played the role of Glenn Cooper. Uh-huh. Who so Jim uh, played was Glenn. running for state senate, who has... He comes in about midway through the show and has had, like, a spat with his wife on the way there. And uh, she gets really upset because she uh, obsesses over these crystals that she carries, and one of them she accidentally flushes down the toilet. Yeah, I remember so, that. So they have a whole big, you know, argument going throughout their time in the play. And I forget how it happened, but he ends up getting hit in the nose later in the play. So I had to come out with, you know, makeup on to make it look like my nose was bruised. <laughs> <laughs> but we were all nicely dressed. We're all in like, you know, tuxes and evening wear. Right, right. But yeah, that was a fun show to do. It was, uh, I, I found that, you know, shows with like a, a an ensemble that can kind of become a tight-knit group going through the show, which is what happened in that production and others, which I'll get into later, uh, makes it a lot of fun to work together on. Yeah, and I mean, I I think both of us are fans of Forces as well. Uh, Well, I've kind of gotten away from them myself in more recent years, but at the time I found that it was pretty enjoyable to do it. Mm -hmm. So what Uh, was your number five? And uh, yeah, that was... You that can't was, hear me at all, can you? I can hear you. Yeah, I was just finishing a thought. <laughs> okay. Uh, although I can't hear you very well. And then whenever I, if I'm talking and then you talk, it, I think, mutes it. So yeah. I don't I, hear what you say. We didn't have this problem last time. Yeah, I don't know why that is. But, but there's anyway. a lot of you talking over me. <laughs> uh, so that was the first, like, main production that I did at Village Players also. Oh, okay. Uh, I did a summer show. It did the Monty Python variety summer show Mm -hmm. but that was the first show i did village players that was part of their regular season i should say okay so what was your number five my number five was uh another neil simon play that i also did at village players a couple years after that and that was god's favorite okay and what's that one i that one i am not familiar with okay it's basically about a fairly well-to-do family who the the patriarch gets visited by a guy who claims to be a messenger from god uh, but he's a very kind of, doesn't really have his act together. Seems like this kind of neurotic, goofy guy, but basically challenges the guy to renounce God, which he's not willing to do. So it's kind of like a, a variation on the story of Job and that the guy's life gets worse and worse and more miserable in a bid to try to see if he will renounce God hmm. over the course of the play. So it's kind of a more of a higher concept sort of a premise okay, based yeah. on biblical <laughs> stories. So the role I played in it was the eldest son of the main character, and he was kind of like a lazy slacker, wannabe musician type who just kind of really went with the flow with a lot of things. So typecast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to think I was a better guitar player than what the uh, guy's father said, and you're a lousy guitar player. (laughs) I'd like to think I'm better than lousy, but anyway. And then towards the end of the play, my character actually goes blind. So that was the only time on stage I had to play blind. Okay. <laughs> so your number four was Rumors. My uh, number four was uh, The Sunshine Boys. Okay, and I am not familiar with that one at all. That is one that I have read and seen. I have not acted in it. Um, there's really only one role I'm probably old enough for. This is like two older... It's kind of hard to explain, and I don't remember it like enough to get into too much detail about it but it's two older gentlemen very funny funny characters i mean it's just a funny show okay that's, that's kind of more a character 
character based. Yeah, yeah it's definitely it's character driven. There's like a few sitcommy moments. There's like a you know a buxom nurse in there. That's it's it's funny and heartwarming, which okay. I think Neil Simon does very well. Is that a later play or an earlier one? That one I think is somewhat later. Let me look at the list here. Seventy two. All right, so fairly fairly early. early. Yeah. So what's your number three? My number three is one that we touched on earlier, Laughter on the 23rd Floor. Okay. Uh, That was a later play that he wrote basically about his experiences writing for Sid Caesar's shows, Mm -hmm. the the writing staff. So it's centered around the writing room. Yeah, and that's my number two. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and it's it's based on the... The dilemmas of you know the shows being being really edgy and is kind of in danger of potentially getting censored or canceled, and the writers are trying to figure out how to deal with it. And their boss, who's the star of the show, is pretty fearless about the whole thing. He's mm-hmm. willing to make whatever edgy jokes, regardless of the uh, the stability of his employment. Yep. Uh, so it, it creates a lot of uh, reactions, different reactions amongst the writers' room, and they're dealing with you know, how they're going to stay on the air and keep their jobs, basically. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting it. is you look at that, and and that's based on, you know, the writer's room in your show of shows, and then you go and look at uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. Mm-hmm. And that is also, that's Carl Reiner right, writing about his also experiences. connected to that same writing team. Yeah, so Dick Van Dyke is a writer on the fictional uh, Alan Brady show, and Alan Brady mm-hmm. is based on Sid Caesar, so... Right. Just kind of interesting little tidbit there. I think there was another show that was kind of on a similar topic. I think it was called My Favorite Year. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who wrote it. I think, is that Woody Allen, perhaps? Might might have been. He was also part of this writing group, Mm -hmm. as we mentioned earlier. So, yeah. Could have been. I'd have to check that one out again. Anyway, I was in that show at Forge. Yep. I auditioned when they did their production. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's kind of funny because I think. I think in that case, I, I got the role of Kenny, mm-hmm. and in thinking back on it, that was pretty much the Glenn role. <laughs> well, there you go, but apparently it was the Jim role this time. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that would have been, I think, the role that I, I would see you as most suited yeah. for. I guess Fair. that time I went out, and then you went out later on, yep. so we're even. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your number three but, and my number two. My number three is, uh, I think, a lesser known one, The Gingerbread Lady. I've not heard of that one. This is one uh, that that's also uh, it's 1970, so it's around the same time as the Sunshine Boys, and it's another. It's a very interesting show. It's about an older woman, and it's not the most likable character, but it's it's a really good. It's a meaty character. Okay. It's something that that has just. It's a great role for older women, which doesn't come up that much in community theater, which is one of the reasons that I liked it. Uh, it's something that I was considering when Barley Sheaf did their 50th season because they had done it a, a, a number of years ago. So I went back and read it, and it's 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 not his funniest show. It's not, you know, a lot of slapstick, a lot of big laughs. It's not hilarious. It has a lot of serious moments because it's somebody who, like, used to be a big star and is kind of older, and her star has faded, and it's about kind of dealing washed with up. that. So it's definitely a, a very interesting show and not not the kind of thing you usually expect from Neil Simon. There's like little glimpses of it that come through in there. And I want to say, I'm trying to remember the name of the actress who played it. Maureen Stapleton, I believe, is her name. Okay. Uh, best known as Edith on uh, All in the Family, uh, Archie Bunker's wife. 
no, that's Gene Stapleton. Gene Stapleton. That's the one. Ah, okay. Gene I think Maureen Stapleton. Stapleton is also an actress. Yes. And <laughs> I don't know who that one is. So Gene okay. Stapleton, I think. But Or maybe it was Maureen Stapleton, and I was just thinking Gene Stapleton. I don't know. <laughs> Regardless, good script. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my number two is the only one on my list that I've not actually been in a mm-hmm. production of, but it's probably his best well-known show, uh, most well-known show, and that's The Odd Couple. Okay. So uh, th- that kind of blows my list because that was my number one. And I'll be I honest. Assumed. <laughs> so it was v- I was very hesitant to put that as my number one because, I, I mean, it's so iconic and so well-known, but it's so good. It's such yeah. a tight script. I, I mean, it's a little dated. I, I will say that much. When you read it through or you see it now, it's a little dated and it's so... Yeah. It's often set back in the time, but and I think that's I think that's appropriate because you know it, it comes from a time and the, the characters' dilemmas come from a time of yep. you know the stigmas associated with divorce and and bachelorhood and middle age and stuff like that. And but what's you know, interesting though is it is definitely updatable because uh, what two years ago it, it was on TV again. Yeah, it was a a, a series again. In yeah, the past with couple uh, years. but the yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, there were certain elements of the characters that were. I mean, the basic characters were the basic characters. Kind the basic of there, premise was there, and circumstances certain, were updated. Yeah, certain alterations were certainly made, but uh, you know, that was uh, uh Thomas Lemon and uh, Matthew Perry, right? Uh, kind of. I mean, it was rebooted, and and certain things were changed. Um, you know, uh, Oscar was no longer a newspaper, a sports writer for a newspaper. He was now a sports podcaster, you know, and, you know, little changes like that, uh, were updated. Some of the characters were different and, and new characters took the place of old characters. But I know Neil Simon was consulted with all of this and, and had to sign off on it to allow yeah. them to do it. I mean, this was kind of Matthew Perry's project. But it's definitely updatable, and, and that can be done. And he actually updated the script once as well. There is a, a new—I I, want to say it's like uh, The New Adventures of Oscar and Felix. I, I don't remember. It has some other title. It's like The Odd Couple colon something. Okay. Well, there was a movie sequel of it, I think, at one point, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, there was The Odd Couple And there Couple was the too. original movie with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, yeah. and I think there was a— But that's, you know, the that's them older. Or so. That's them older, and they also did. Uh, 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 Jack Klugman and Tony Randall did a uh, sequel a number of years after the TV show was off. Right, right. So there was a TV show based on it in the seventies. But yeah, I mean, there are certainly a lot of aspects of the original play script that mm-hmm. are certainly of its time. But I agree that you know the, the core characters, you know, it's easy to update. There was also the female version from the mid nineties, right. the rewrite. And I think that's the reason Gender that, it, that version, I did. I should say. I think that's the reason that I did put it as my number one is that not only is it iconic and just a fantastic script, but it is flexible. There, there are there's such a core there that you can change things around that core and it's still there and still good. Right. I mean, the core of it is, you know, people are fundamentally different enough in personalities that being forced together in a situation where they have to live together mm-hmm. and the hilarity that ensues. Yeah. That's the basic premise. Yeah. So if that did not make your number one, what did? Okay, so my number one was the first Neil Simon play that I was ever in, and that was back in high school. And that show, which I mentioned before, was Brighton Beach Memoirs. Okay. 
I'm, I'm less familiar with that. Okay. Well, it <laughs> is part of a trilogy called the Eugene Till Trilogy. Mm-hmm. That is the first part. Biloxi Blues is the second part. And Broadway Bound is the final part. So I put that as my number one list, mainly, mostly for sentimental reasons, because mm-hmm. at the time I did it in high school, it was a very kind of critical point in my growing up, yeah. I'll say. Kind of a point where I started to break out of my shell a little bit more as far as making new friends and such. Okay. So that is our list. Indeed. You may agree. You may disagree. If you want to let us know what your thoughts are, you can give us an email, podcast at backstage.link. And at this point, I guess we're not exactly sure when we'll be coming up next. We may take another break coming up as we've just finished another batch of 20 episodes. Yeah, we seem to cut off uh, after our first 20 and take a little break. So we're thinking we might take a few weeks now and uh, let me get over the rest of this cold, which you may or may not have noticed. Cook up some more uh, episode ideas. And if you're interested in appearing on an episode or plugging any of your shows or auditions, again, we just said the email address, but we'll say it again. Podcast at Backstage.link. That's it. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, Just search for The Backstage Show. And with that, we bid you adieu for now. And uh, until next time, we'll see you backstage. Bye-bye. Wait, headphones. That's what I'm missing. One moment, I'm going to run up and get my headphones. Okay. Oh, the spring resonance? Okay. I can yeah. sort of hear it over. I can start. No, but I mean, it's just like... Yeah. Oh. It sounds beautiful, actually. <laughs> All right. I believe I am now recording. I can now hear myself. Okay, good. And I sound awesome. Hello. Uh, that's Scotchy the stuff. Scotch, Scotch. Yep. Segue us into our discussion. Is that your Verizon thing? Yeah. Hold uh, on. <laughs> I want to go silence that. Yeah. All right. I guess we're ready to go. All righty. Yeah. 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 All right. Let me All right. Do, 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 Turn myself do, do, down a little do. bit. Sorry. <clears throat> it's gonna be a lot of de- a lot of editing for this. Episode. Oh yeah, there really is. We need to stop that. It's hard enough as it is. <laughs> You're supposed to talk into the microphone, not the cat's butt. <laughs> I wish I had a lozenge. I'm quite bassy. Count bassy. <coughs> One, two, three, four, five. See, I'm, I'm counting bassy. Oh, <laughs> lame. <laughs> All right, my voice seems to be quasi-normal now, or at least I don't feel, I, I, and I don't quite feel like I'm going to die. So That's a plus. Yeah, always a good thing. All right. You can also find us on Facebook. Facebook. You can Facebook. also find us... <laughs> Okay, okay. I got it. I'll wrap it up. (laughs) On November 13, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife. (laughs) Deep down, he knew she was right, but he also knew that someday he would return to her. With nowhere else to go, he appeared at the home of his friend, Oscar Madison. Several years earlier... Madison's wife had thrown him out, requesting that he never return. Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Dee 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 dee. Dee 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 dee.